Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome along. If you're uh, an old listener, then welcome back. Uh, we've had a little break. We're kind of going to do a little bit of a, well, a few episodes. And uh, in this uh, podcast series, uh, you'll find me and my co-host Nathan Palmer uh, talking nonsense uh, as much as we possibly can, digesting some Bengals news um, and having a bit of a laugh, really. Um, as I say, uh, I do have my co-host with me. He's back from Japan. He's back from missing all the draft. He's back from uh, the meet uh, missing the meetup in Sheffield. Scandalous. Scandalous. He gets away. You know, whenever there's hard work to be done, <laughs> he tends to bugger off on a plane somewhere. But now he's back in the sewing room. Uh, it's Nathan Palmer. Nathan. How are you doing, Paul? Well, so I've gone away. You know, I've been away on my honeymoon. I come back and you've not even made the effort to put in the P to my pod and that sort of I stuff haven't, you because do. So what's going on? Well, I, I thought I might freshen it up. Freshen and, it up. Uh, Spice I things up a bit. I completely forgotten to do it, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but also because I'm, it's, you know, it's, it's traditionally a quiet time of the year in the football season. But yep. it's... It's kind of n- not been quiet today or this week or anything before this, really. No. Um, we've obviously had the draft and we've, we're going to talk about a tiny bit about that because obviously everyone has uh, had their opinion on the draft, apart from you. Um, <laughs> did you enjoy Japan first? Yeah, incredible. I've got to give a shout out before we get started to Chris Hood. for He gave me a lot of um, advice about Japan and he knows a lot about it. He's got a book out there. He's actually written on Japan. Um, real, really good help. And just an amazing place. Very interesting, quirky, um, beautiful nature, beautiful. I mean, so much great energy there. Do you know what I mean? Like You go out there and you're absolutely just taken away, blown away by the, the energy and the vibe and you know the, the difference out there. It's a fantastic place. Um, also to Jimmy, who's been on this podcast. He's a top lad. He took us out drinking. Um, showed us around, took us to an izakaya for dinner. Um, yeah, awesome. Feel you know, come back. It, it wasn't really a break. It's more like you, right. know, you go away and you sort of, you know, it's more a change than a break. But you know, brilliant nevertheless, and fantastic to be back in the sewing room. You know, Is it? managed to watch the draft out there on you my did. phone. I had you to did. pay for a Japanese NFL Network one-off subscription for a month. <laughs> right to see the draft, which probably but cost about two hundred quid. No, it was about eight quid actually. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. It's all right. Yeah. Um, okay, let, let's just go through the draft real quick. And, yeah, and have a look. basically, what's going to happen in this episode? Uh, me and Nathan are just going to go over some of the news stories. Um, we are, we do have a special guest. And again, new listeners, we do try and have a special guest each episode. Um, uh, we've got someone incredible coming up for our 50th episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that just yet. Um, we've got, well, I was going to say the Inquirers, but of course it's not the Inquirer anymore because he's moved to the Athletic. We've got Paul Dana Jr., uh, who's going to be talking about OTAs, which started this week? Some of his observations about uh, about what he saw on the on the field there, um, and his massive new paycheck, and his massive new paycheck, <laughs> which he's agreed to uh, give some of it to us <laughs> for uh, publicising him, and um, 
Yeah, we're going to be talking about the draft a little bit. We're going to be talking about the news uh, a little bit. Uh, we've got Paul coming up, obviously, which is well worth a listen. Um, and we're also going to be, I'm going to be pitting some, we're going to be talking about roster construction, really, to yeah. see where we're at, basically, as OTAs start. And, of course, we have to talk about uh, the NFL UK's ticketing strategy. Um, there was supposed to be a big ticket announcement today and there was uh but they crucially left off any dates or times for individual ticket sales which has got people in a in a bit of a lather and of course we've got some correspondence so it should be a really packed show action packed action packed and uh so let's start by talking about the draft yep um again you missed all the draft stuff we had a, a draft a live draft podcast yep uh in Sheffield we had Joe Goodbury we had Dave Lapham, our very own Bengals UK draft panel. It seems like an age ago now. Did you miss me, Paul? Not really. Um, <laughs> Was it not the same without me at the other end? Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, sorry, it's already turned a bit carry on, hasn't it, already? Since, see, as soon as you walk in, I automatically lower the tone. I should also mention I'm drinking beer and you're not, which no, is a I bit know. of what a strange... To, I've been away like the last couple of weeks. So, you know, you try and trying to lose some of these uh, these sushi pounds. Well, that's right. Well, it's what not, have you got? What are you drinking tonight? Paul? Come on, what, you put me to shame. What are you drinking tonight? Well, I am drinking uh, dry hop lager and Adnams from Southwold in Sussex. Yeah, I've got a piston head custom lager. Yeah, and a meantime London London lager, which I shall all quaff before the program is out. Yeah, and I'll be singing on the. Dancing on the table in front. Well, of I, for the for the um, the listeners, I got to let them in on a story. So I saw Paul when I got back before we recorded this podcast last week. Yeah, and we went out for a few cheeky pints, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I think you were a little bit worse for wear the next morning, son, weren't you? We had six pints. Nathan. We did have six pints. We did. We had four. No, I, well, no, right? Maybe I had five then. I definitely yeah. had five. <laughs> you didn't feel too good in the morning. I, because I've not been really drinking, so I mean, even that for me is quite a lot. So. Uh, yeah, I, I just like staggered back home. I was thinking, oh, some, we had some good, uh, we had some good nuts, didn't we that night? Some good we pistachios. Did. This is just uh, a little window into the exciting lives. Was, and Nathan that was and a I. good night. That was. Though, it wasn't was it? a good night. Yeah, a few cheeky good. pints, some nuts, some good, some chat. Peng, uh, yeah, some podcast chat. Anyway, let's get back to uh, let's bring it back into let's the Bengals. Bring it back. Um, so again, let's go through the draft picks, and you're going to tell me whether yeah, good, good pick, bad pick. Okay. Jonah, uh, number 11, Jonah Williams, offensive tackle, Alabama. Good pick, bad pick. Yeah, good pick, good pick. Very good pick. Um, round two, Drew Sample, tight end, Washington. Bad pick. Okay. Because of the player or the... the... I, I think, I mean, it was good they moved back and they at least picked something up for taking him. But I think, I, I, I've got no problem with it. I'm not angry about it. I just think that, you know, I think they had an opportunity at the start of round two to go up and grab one of those offensive tackles that slipped into the second round. And I think they did try, I believe, to try and get up there and grab one of them and missed out on it. Traded back eventually, took sample. And, you know, a lot of people are talking up about him and saying that he's a good player and, you know, saying that he didn't get utilised as much as he should have done um, at Washington in the passing game. He's a very good blocker by all accounts. So I can see why they've drafted him. It just felt... I think I mean if you you know you can never sit here and say after a draft that a player's a very good or bad pick to the extent because they could I mean Drew Sample could be the new Rob Gronkowski he could also be a horrendous bust but I think based on all I would know going into the draft it felt like a pretty pretty large reach. 
I would add, after a couple of weeks of reflection, Nathan, um, I'm okay with the pick, really. Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, it's a bit of a. I mean, we knew that they were probably going to get a tight end at some stage. It was. Just, I mean, Joe Goodbury speculated that it would be more of a wide tight end, a blocking yeah, yeah. tight end, and he was right. It was just that they went a bit earlier, perhaps for him. And it also shows you that all these so-called draft experts and whatnot, yeah, it's having true, them yeah. in their round six, they've got not a clue. What? How the Bengals that, graded that, this guy? This, apparently, the Bengals had him graded higher. Yeah. So, um, and that—that's why you can't. I, I think it's almost impossible to sit here and berate a pick as being like a bad no. pick and a bad because you—you got no idea really, are you? No. no. I mean, we're, say we're gonna we're gonna we knew that they were gonna take a tight yeah. end. It was probably a bit earlier or yeah, not. Yeah. It for that player to go that early it was a. Probably a little bit early, but you know what? Who cares? They got their man. Exactly. And Paul Dania, I think it was on Twitter yesterday. I, mean, I think it was one of the first days of OTAs. He came out and said, he said, I don't want to get any, everyone too excited. But he said, Drew Sample looks good out there. He looks like he belongs. Well, which... Paul, and we, we, I pre-recorded this interview yesterday, and Paul will expand on Drew Sample yeah, okay. in the chat. Interesting. Okay, round three. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, linebacker, yeah, North yeah, we, Carolina State. Desperately needed it. Good pick. I think a lot of people had mocked him to us. Um Good pick. We ne- desperately needed a linebacker. Surprised they left it as late as round three, but yeah, definite position of need. Round four. Uh, Ryan Finley, quarterback, North Carolina State. Yeah, I, he he seems like a good. I mean, he's, he's. I think he got the highest Wonderlick score, didn't he? Ryan Finley. Um, he's a smart guy. You know, perfect person to come in in round four. He fell a little bit. Put some pressure on Jeff Driscoll. I think that would be a really good battle to see if whether they keep two. Or they have three. I, I'm always of the opinion to probably just go with two, to be honest. Um, Round four, uh, Renell Wren, defensive tackle, Arizona State. Yeah, good. Again, I, I think a few people questioned um, he was a bit raw, but in the fourth round, that's what you're going for. Uh, fifth round, uh, Michael Jordan, center, uh, sorry, guard really, uh, Ohio State. Teammate of Billy Price, isn't he? Yeah. Good again. This is what I think. It's impossible for me to say good or bad pick down there. I mean, but do you like it? Just yeah, for definitely. I mean, he's you know, I think he grew up a Bengals fan, didn't he, Michael yeah, Jordan? That's right, he's a yeah. guard. He played with Billy Price, Ohio State. You know, that's the sort of stuff that's you know, it's motivating. It's great to see. Um, in round six, uh, Trevion Williams, running back, Texas A. Well, a lot of people reckon he's good value there, don't they? I know Sam mm. Angel is a big fan of his. Um, yeah, I mean, a few people. I think I think Goodbury didn't even have any tape on him, which is a little bit worrying. But I think um, well, he's got history with Jim Turner as well at Texas. Yeah, him, so. yeah. Again, uh, running backs in the late rounds, you can really get some good gems out. Yeah, of you know, what I mean, I hope he gets a bit of time. Yeah, uh, round six, uh, Deshaun Davis, linebacker, Auburn. Yeah, I mean, someone like Deshaun Davis, he's just got to be like, he's got a good opportunity to make the roster. I mean, bear in mind, it's a pretty weak. Um, linebacking core, he's going to, because under the Bengals in the past have had the tendency to cut people sixth or seventh round picks. So I'm hoping that, mm. you know, we can get keep him on the roster and he can win his spot. Um, and then they took another running back in sixth round, uh, Rodney Anderson, running back Oklahoma. Yeah, again, I mean, that, that's a good battle between him and um, him and Travion Williams. So it'd be good to see them go at it. Because realistically on the roster, we've got Mixon, we've got Bernard. And, and those two guys. And that's it. That's yeah. what I mean. So one of those guys will definitely make the roster, if not both. And seventh round, Jordan Brown, cornerback, South Dakota State. The Bengals, Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, but I, again, it seems to be a good value pick yeah, down yeah. there. But of course, it's seventh round. And then you've got all your undrafted free agents coming in. 
Stanley Morgan's supposed to be good. I've got my eye on that quarterback, Jake Dolagala, who looks Jake good. Dolagala. Who looks amazing. Really? Well, I say amazing, but that's the thing. I don't know why people get so excited about undrafted yeah, free agents. Yeah, yeah. It's that whole potential of unearthing a gem. Yeah. You know, and people like get really... Tate. Yeah, it's kind of like... Re- well, he was in the seventh oh, round. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But like Avante's perfect. Yeah, Or an yeah, Emmanuel yeah, yeah. Lemieux. Lemieux, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and... People get a bit carried away, and you have to remember that they are undrafted free too. agents. You know what I mean? They're people too. They are people too, but they're also undrafted free agents. Yeah. They, you so. know, they all come in with a chip on their shoulder as well. Yeah. Because I think a lot of those people, especially their agents, probably buttering them up, saying you might go fifth round, fourth round, maybe sixth round. You know, you're and they don't get drafted. And people like that come in with a real chip on their shoulder. You know, they're thirsty to make the roster. They want to beat out these guys in the mm. sixth, seventh round that aren't guaranteed a spot. So, you Absolutely. know, every year there's one guy that always gets pretty close or makes it. All right, well, we'll get on to... Uh, a bit more roster composition later. Um, a couple of news stories. Uh, one, uh, apparently there was uh, some trade offers for Alex Erickson, the wide receiver. Um, so that, and, and the Bengals turned him down. What, what's your feelings on Ericsson? And this does feed into the roster composition chat, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ericsson always feels like one of those guys a bit like Rex Burkhead, who was never really used to his full potential with us. And every year, there's a couple of plays that Ericsson makes, and you're like, you know, he's got some, he could be good, he could be good. And he was fantastic as a returner last year. Yeah. We cannot forget that. I mean, he was absolutely two, well, Actually, ever, ever since he came into the yeah, league, he's and, been but really he's good. got better and better. And like from a return standpoint, he's been fantastic. I think Zach Taylor will really utilise him this year. I really do. And I think if you've got people making trade offers, that makes you realise that a lot of people are looking at his tape and like, this guy's good. Mm. You know, he's got some speed about him. He's quite, he's sort of, I don't know what the right word is, but he's a bit sort of like... Um, elusive. Elusive. Some, yeah, a bit jukey, so sort of gets in and out. Yeah. And like, I think in that short West Co- passing West Coast offence, he could be a real weapon. Mm. And I think, you know, I hope that he's used more and I hope they get him involved in the passing game and I hope he steps up because in the past he's been used, but he's never really stuck, no. if that makes sense. And I'd, I'd be very interested to see what people were offering for him because I can't believe anyone would offer more than a, more than a fifth. Yeah, fifth or sixth, really. I would and imagine. then you kind of just think at that point, why on earth would you give up your starting returner and a fairly yeah, solid yeah. slot receiver? You know, always seem like a good character guy. There's no issues with him. Like, why would you just take a flyer on a sixth round pick? It's I mean, he does feel he does feel like a a New England type of player. He's small physically. He's a bit smaller. Yeah, yeah. He's in that slot mode, uh, and they and Belichick loves that kind of player. And he's yeah, got yeah. high football IQ apparently. So again, that fits the Belichick mould. So I wouldn't be wouldn't have been surprised if it, you know, no, it was. It was yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know who it was, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then of course the OTA started this week, and it's you know every fan of every team uh, in every corner of the world. This is probably the most positive that they're ever going to be throughout the year. Yeah, this influx of new players, seeing uh, you know long term injured players back on the field. I mean, we saw AJ Green. Even though he was on the rehab field, he's strutting about, strutting about, you know, opening, gazelle. opening his legs and showing his <laughs> class, as the as the the phrase goes. And um, it, again, just so so good to see him back on a football yeah. field. Uh, and of course, that means everyone's super positive, and everyone's saying our team's better than all you, you know. 
look at all our players, aren't we great? Look at our draft crop, aren't they great? This kind of unheralded, undrafted free agent is going to be a, a, like a pro bowler at some <laughs> point. You know, everyone's super duper positive, aren't Drinking they? Drinking the Kool-Aid, as they say. Drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah, absolutely. ODing on the Kool-Aid, exactly. I say. Um but one, one piece, I mean, there's never ever, you know, unless you're Reuben Foster who tore his ACL in the Redskins OTA, um, there's never really, apart from the injuries, uh, too much news to come out really. But because this is a new team with a new coach, with a new culture, apparently, um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how those guys line up and how... They're being lined up because it's yeah. the first time we'll have seen a Zach Taylor offense. First time we've seen a Lou Anarumo defense. Do you know what I mean? And so that's where the interest is. And Zach Taylor and uh, old Jim Top Bantz Turner pulled one out in the bag, really, didn't they? And when they lined up the offensive line, we all thought that perhaps uh, Jonah Williams was going to start right tackle. And Cordy Glenn, left tackle, and Clint Bowling, right guard. But no, Cordy Glenn started at left guard, Jonah Williams, left tackle, Bobby Hart, right tackle, which meant no Clint Bowling. So what do you think about that, Nathan? I'm a bit surprised that Clint Bowling's left out of that discussion. I don't know that what that means for him. He's been a solid starter there for a long time. I think it's a good idea. I think Jonah Williams has got to start. You know, you pick a guy in the top 10, he's got to start. It's a bold move, but, you know, they believe in him. He, Jonah Williams looks like a fantastic player. Get him out there. It also, to kick someone like Cordy Glenn into left guard, I mean, that's a big move because Cordy Glenn, the Bengals gave up a lot to go and get him. And you're going to put him inside and say, Jonah Williams, you're our guy. I mean, that's high praise against a guy like Cordy Glenn, who's a solid NFL starter. But I mean, the left side of our line now looks fantastic. Do you know what I mean? You've got Glenn. Well, on paper, Glenn, yeah. Glenn's not got much experience at guard. No, but you think he's a big, I mean, in theory, if he can get back and he can stay healthy, he's a good player. Mm. You know, Jonah Williams comes in highly regarded. You'd hope Billy Price would only get better after a bit of a, bit of a shaky rookie season. Now, this is where it's interesting to me. We're saying that we think John Miller's going to start a right guard over Clint Bowling. Yeah. Interesting. Um, again, he seems like a fairly... I mean, I would classify John Miller from everything I've read about him as being a sort of fairly standard, average, you know, plug-a-hole type guard. Nothing, you know, not necessarily a huge upside, but also like solid and professional starter. And then it's obviously Bobby Hart at right tackle. And that's the, that's the one issue, I guess. You know, the Bengals have put their money up for Bobby Hart and they're fully intending to start him there. Mm. If it was me, to be honest, I would play Glenn at left tackle. I would play Jonah Williams at right tackle. i play Clint Bowling at left guard, John Miller at right guard and Billy Price at centre. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people kind of were expecting. Yeah. Um, and again, Paul will talk about that more in greater detail because he was only he was one of the only well one of the few people I I've, I've heard predict that uh, you know moving Glenn inside yeah is a good idea so I don't want to spoil Paul's thing but you're right I mean I that's the first thing that you say with with Clint Bowling's cap hit uh, which isn't super large but it's large enough you know it's mm. starting guard material um so it's just a case of 
you know, just I guess it's just having to trust them. But I, I think what what Bengals fans are really, I mean, I, honestly, you mentioned the word or the name Bobby Hart. Poor Bob. I mean, come on, Bobby. You just mentioned the name Bobby Hart, and the whole place kind of goes nuts, and the whole Bengals <laughs> the crowd goes Twitter wild. <laughs> just kind of you know goes into complete meltdown. You know, um, can we remind the listeners of our bet? What was the bet? The bet is I've, if I mean, Bob, I've forgotten already. You need to remind me as well. Is if Bobby Hart, yes, and Alden Tate, yes, make the Pro Bowl in yes. 2019, yes. we have to record an episode completely naked. Okay, just reminded the listeners of that. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, to be honest, that's not much of a bet because that's <laughs> if Hart on his own makes it, I'll do it in my pants. Okay. Right. Bobby, if you're listening... Imagine he makes it, the geezer. Play like a few the people worst drop football. Out. <laughs> a few? You mean about 60 people drop out? Um, poor Bobby. I mean, that's what I'm going to call him now. Poor Bobby. Yeah, yeah but the thing is, the, the Bengals are giving him too... Well, not too much, but they're giving him a lot of money. And when you give a geezer that much Relatively money... Relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still like pretty much, even if it's low-end starter money, it's starter money. Yeah. And I don't think the Bengals think to themselves, we're going to go and pay a guy that much money, and then, oh, we did get a good draft pick, and now we're not going to pay, um, play him anymore and just shelve him when we're paying him that sort of money. They made a commitment to him in the off-season. I think whether they drafted a tackle with the first round pick or they drafted a linebacker or whatever they did, he was their guy. And I think they very much, when they took Jonah Williams, knew that he could probably come in and play on that left side and Bobby Hart was always in their plans. I think Bobby Hart, even if we traded up in the second round and got one of those guys, it was, was it, um, I don't think it was available, was it Cody Ford, I think, and maybe yeah. Greg Little possibly. Or yeah, 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 yeah. They were available at the top of the second round. Even if we got one of those guys who, you know, are arguably first round talents, people the Bengals might well have had on their board as like a real sort of top-end first-round talent, I still think Bobby Hart would have been starting at right tackle, irrespective of that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. We're I mean, just going to have to go with it with Bobby Hart. Of course we have. I mean, you it's, know, they, it's, they, a, it's, they, a, it's the most questionable um, yeah. decision of the off-season, of everything the Bengals have done from the draft, the free agency, Which the coaching Which has been pretty hires. solid, I have to say. Yeah, I think the Jim Turner hire was controversial, and I think this was controversial, and I think that... This, if it goes wrong, and if Bobby Hart doesn't improve, and there's a lot of false starts, and there's a lot of penalties, and there's a lot of, you know, just blatant sacks being given up, and potentially, you know, people questioning effort, whatever they want to question. But if it goes wrong, the, the ownership will put themselves on a, a bit of a yeah. A they made themselves that. a bit especially of a with Troy Blackburn coming out and saying that that's fine. You know, you're backing up your guy. I respect that. You, you know, you're telling the fans to wait and see what happens. That's fair enough. It's good to hear from the ownership. But you're putting yourself in a position where if it does not work, you open yourself up to a lot of criticism. No, I agree. Um, one added offensive line piece of news that broke while we were recording. Excitingly, it's like a proper newsroom in here. Um, Adam Schefter reports that Bengals guard Alex Redmond, who started 15 games last season, is being suspended four games for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drugs policy, uh, which is a bit of a con contradiction in terms I think because uh, it didn't work because his performance was still pretty awful to be honest with you <laughs> um, he played last season with a torn labrum and hamstring injury don't we know it and made bad decision to try and help it so silly Billy daft bugger uh, it, it's Alex Redmond um, so uh, moving on swiftly because we do have this special guest and it's uh, for the third time it's uh, well you know I'll, I'll let I'll let myself introduce it. 
Okay, now joining us, uh, well, I was going to say the Inquirers, Paul Dana Jr., but of course, he's just had a big money transfer, a close season, off season transfer to the Athletic. Uh, but here he is, Paul Dana Jr. from now the Athletic. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great. Always great to be back with you guys. Um, was there a, well, first of all, congratulations on your move from the Inquirer to the Athletic. I think a lot of Bengals fans breathed a big sigh of relief when people found out, you know, you were still going to be covering the Bengals. Um, was there a transfer fee involved? Was there kind of any of that stuff going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, it, it, it's nice. I think I get to, I save a few miles on uh, not having to go into the offices often. Uh, so, so certainly the, the gas tank uh, appreciates it, that's for sure. Absolutely. So before we get into the Bengals, Jeff, just real quick, what is your remit with The Athletic? Because with The Inquiry, you, you didn't just do the Bengals stuff, which we all know and love you for, but the That Is So Cincinnati podcast was tremendous as well. And I recommend, uh, I believe the, the guys at The Inquiry are going to be carrying that on. And I do recommend anybody who's interested in, in the city of Cincinnati, its culture, its politics, should go and have a have a listen to that. But of course, you started that off. So, what, what's your remit now with the Athletic? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm still I'm, I'm kind of uh, at the forefront of their their big podcast initiative, which is national. I mean, you know, they they, they have insiders with every single pro team essentially across all the sports um, in North America. So they're they're doing a ton of podcasts. With everybody, so I'm I'm going to kind of be at the head of all the local stuff here in Cincinnati. Um, so I, I'm doing a Reds one uh, for Reds fans, Cincinnati Reds fans with uh, um, with C. Trent Rosecrans, our our awesome Reds writer, and then we'll be doing a Bengals one just like I had in the past. But it'll be with Jay Morrison, so we'll be getting that thing going as soon as we can. Um, but it'll be certainly ready by the time we get uh, within the site of training camp. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, there, and there'll be other podcasts beyond that, but for now we're just kind of one at a time clicking it forward. So I'm going to be really at the head of that and then still doing Bengal stuff. And, uh, but, you know, with, with joining Jay, I mean, you guys know Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he does a fantastic job. And so we're, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we've always kind of been, uh, respected competitors, but now to be able to work with him is going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited about, you know, I just think that the athletic is the future of of journalism and reporting and it's it's their app is just is so easy to use and it's it's uh so affordable. I just uh, I, I couldn't resist coming to coming to join the team. Well, as I say, we're glad that you're still covering the Bengals. Um you've done a fantastic job with the Inquirer and we can't wait to see you uh see what you do for the athletic as well. But the reason why I wanted to get you on uh, for this episode is because you were Johnny on the spot yesterday. You were at the first day of OTAs, and that's always a an exciting day in the calendar for a lot of fans uh, and for a lot of players and coaches, I guess, as well. Um, first things first, uh, we need to talk about the offensive line because that was the news that came out. That was the big headline that came out of... Uh, we're recording this on the Tuesday, so yesterday, Monday... Um, uh, they they lined up with Cordy Glenn, uh, left guard, Jonah Williams at left tackle, Bobby Hart at right tackle. Obviously, Twitter went into meltdown a little bit. Um, but I remember listening to you and Fletcher on the BBP, 
and that's something that you kind of predicted right yeah i mean i i, I thought that was probably the most likely scenario um when, when you looked at what we'd heard from them and, and the initial reactions from inside of the team was that they sort of you, you see this a lot you see left tackles once they cross 30 are often kicked inside to try to add some years onto them and and really you know yeah sure you're paying Cordy Glenn 10 million dollars but this new coaching staff came in and they saw the interior of the Bengals offensive line as a real problem for them in the running game and what they wanted to be and they wanted to fix that so you know to to bring in a massive man like Cordy Glenn who who could come in and be immediately one of the best guards in the league if he takes to it, um, be just because of his sheer talent, athleticism, and size. Um, you know, to add that to the interior, you upgraded the right side as well. Um, it, it, it felt like that was, and knowing what they have said about Bobby Hart, where they are obviously in the Bobby Hart business, for for better or for worse, mm. possibly till death do his part on that one. But I mean, <laughs> it's it's just. They feel like they have now upgraded, will have an upgrade at four of the five offensive line positions from last year. And I'd buy that argument. I would make that argument with this setup that they would be better at four of the five and significantly better at a couple. Um, you'd still have Bobby Hart at right tackle. So, uh, you know, that's a big deal for one offseason. And when you compare that with the upgrades that they made last season that's a a a pretty significant two-year overhaul if all things play out correctly um what do you say to people i mean a lot of people were expecting i mean it could have gone different ways you could have had cordy glenn kicking out to right tackle you could have had jonah williams kicking out or starting his bengals career at right tackle i think a lot of people expected jonah williams and cordy glenn to be the bookends of that offensive line and then when Cordy Glenn moved on uh, Joni Williams would move into his natural position of left tackle um, what do you say to people who are tearing their hair out at the at the prospect I mean, of course this is the first day of OTAs right uh, things might change as, as 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 OTAs and camp goes on you know they always Zach Taylor keeps saying we, we're going to try and put our best five guys out there on the offensive line things might change but what do you say to people who were kind of tearing their hair out at the at the prospect of, of Bobby Hart. Um, I feel awful kind of talking about Bobby Hart in this way because he's a he's a human being. But um, what do you say to people who are exasperated with the idea of of Bobby Hart with Cordy Glenn on the team and with Jonah Williams on the team starting at right tackle? I mean, eventually you'll run out of hair if you keep tearing it out. <laughs> you know, I mean. I, I don't know what to say. I think we know what Bobby Hart is. I, you know, I, I think the, the, the move in my book would have been Cordy Glenn to right tackle. Right. I agree with you. And then some combination of Westerman or Bowling or, or Hopkins or whatever you want to do at the left guard position, that would be me. Um, I think that would, you know, I, I think that would be the upgrade. But that, obviously, they but I don't know their system like they do. And I think that's the thing that I would say is, yeah. is Jim Turner and Zach Taylor have a very specific things that they are looking for out of this offense. And a lot of them, we have to go on the understanding that we don't know as well as they do. Um, and the same way that they saw the massive blind spot on this roster of the 
truly run blocking versatile tight end and, and address it in the draft there's clearly something they see in Bobby Hart that they believe in and and again that's a for better or for worse type thing I mean I, I, I they stand by that I think it's it certainly you can make the assumption that barring something crazy specifically an injury to Hart um, I don't I don't see a scenario where he's not the starting right tackle this year and and they have the ability to change that as the year goes by if he mm. continues to struggle but uh they think the penalties were a fluke. They liked what he brought in the running game. And let's and hey, let's be honest. Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing last year with yeah. Bobby Hart playing right tackle every game. Mm. And they watched that tape and felt like he was a big part of it uh, with the way he played, the enthusiasm he played with. I, I tend to just mostly watch him getting owned as a pass blocker often and, <laughs> and have yeah. more issue with that. But if they feel like the scheme and the run play action stuff and everything will play more to his advantage as staying there, then then that's what they see. So we can judge that as the season goes along, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. You mentioned him a bit earlier, but what if this formation and lineup sticks, uh, what does this mean for Clint Bowling? It's a good question. I, I mean, I think that's up to Clint. Because right. I think the I think the Bengal he has one year left five million dollars uh, left on his deal, uh, you know I could see Clint going to camp and saying seeing himself set as the backup and being like you know what I don't I don't need this I he's got he's got two young kids he's he's a smart guy who's who's a very smart with his money and investments and seems to be uh very uh you know caring about that type of stuff mm -hmm. you know i i i, I don't, he could just say i don't need this right. or he could come in and say you know what I, i'm gonna finish out my contract i'm gonna come in here anything happens i mean anybody gets hurt i think he's the first one in yeah absolutely. right i mean more outside of billy price because trey hopkins would come in at center if anybody got hurt he would be the first one off the bench immediately. That's any of the other four. So, and that's under this current alignment. So I, you know, there's value in that. And if you can do that and and make money, and he's still a leader on this team. You know, I've had conversations with some people uh, in this organization, um, and I've asked them bluntly if if they would be better off getting rid of Clint Bowling. I've never gotten the impression that they feel that way at all. Uh, that they view him as a versatile piece to have. And if you have a guy like that um, who can just step in uh, if you have any issue, or hell, if Cordy Glenn gets in there and he's just not doing it at guard, mm. he's just not taking to it, you don't want to have him gone. So I think they want him in the mix. But if you get to a certain point and everything looks good and Michael Jordan is looking good and right, yeah, you, yeah. you want to keep Redmond or Westerman around or whatever – uh, you could see him going, they, them going the way they did last year with Brandon LaFell, um, with George Iloka, it, where these in-camp moves where you saw them move on once they got a few weeks of knowing that their plan looked the way they thought it might look. It'll be an interesting thing to watch, to be sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to ask you a few more questions, if that's okay, Paul. Um, I've got, I mean, you tweeted out yesterday that Drew Sample looked the part. What did you see? Because obviously... I think that was. It's fair to say that it's you know Drew was our most 
perhaps surprising pick, our most controversial pick to some. Um, but what did you see? For, you know, the pick has been made and it's been made for a reason. And, you know, I wish him all the best. The Bengals were going to take a tight end and we took a tight end. You know what I mean? And they have a, um, they had a, obviously had a very specific idea and a type of tight end that they wanted. What did you see from Drew Sample yesterday? He had a he had a string of plays where I you know we come and we know we we have the tape on him as a blocker. He was the best run blocking tight end in the draft. Those the PFF numbers said that. You watch the tape, you see him do that. The question was his numbers and why he was not as used as a receiver, and if that was going to be what hold him back at, at this level. And I just saw him make a string of plays where he showed really nice hands, did a nice job of of high pointing. Uh, some balls that were, were were coming in real hot at him. So towards the end of the OTA, he had a super play right down the seam where he beat Sean Williams over the middle and caught a ball that came in right over his shoulder and took off down. And it was like, that's, uh, that's a high-end athletic play from any rookie tight end. And it just, I think it showed off a lot of the athleticism and playmaking that we'd been hearing existed in him but Washington just hadn't quite utilized and uh, I thought it was a really impressive play amongst a series of them and you know then you know what he is as a blocker on top of it he's big it shows he runs fast um, you know I just I just thought he looked like he really belonged and could be a difference maker mm, that's really good to hear and just finally Paul um, are there any other position groups that you think are going to be really interesting to to watch uh, this off-season in camp I mean obviously the linebackers there's a you know we've got people like Hardy Nickerson and Malik Jefferson and Chris Worley and and Curtis Atkins and Noah Dawkins and all these guys currently and uh, alongside your visuals and your your Preston Browns and your Jordan Evans and Jermaine Pratt what are there any other position groups that, in your eyes, are kind of worth keeping one of those eyes on, do you think? Yeah, I think receiver and everything that's going to happen behind Green and Boyd is going to be really fascinating because I don't think there's any guarantees there um, for John Ross, who's the most notable and, and discussed of those. Uh, what becomes of him in year three in this offense? You know, does he does he develop and start to fill the Brandon Cooks of the Rams on this, or does he continue to be the John Ross of the Bengals? Right, right. You know, I mean, that what what we've seen of him can will, will he take a step? Will the staff be able to get that out of him, or will they need to go a different direction? Uh, and or do they utilize Alex Erickson more, which we've heard. Uh, a lot of momentum inside of the organization of really liking what Alex Erickson could bring to them and see more playing time for him. Or do we see somebody else versus Auden Tate with a new coaching staff? He Lord knows he was clicking his heels through the hallway when that move was made. Uh, you know, does Auden Tate get a chance to be a playmaker for them? Josh Malone. What does that look like? Because they're going to need more than the two top receivers, yeah. and they did not address it at all in the draft. So who is it that they feel like can emerge and and be somebody beyond those big two or will we just see more reliance on on two tight end sets uh i'm curious to see what that all what that all looks like it'll be it'll be one that i'll be paying attention to for sure um just on john ross um obviously that what did you hear about the whole trade 
rumours? Was it a case of no smoke without fire, or was it just some sort of weird speculation earlier on? I think no smoke without fire. I mean, I'm sure his name came up. I mean, how many people on any roster this offseason didn't have their name probably come mm, up at yeah, some point, point in some yeah. trade conversation? And maybe it even came up multiple times, but that doesn't mean that they were looking to trade him. Yeah. But when you start having discussions about who knows who in these fictional deals, um, and you start figuring out ways to get certain things done, sure, you could see him being an asset that someone feels like a change of scenery could really help him. Mm. Um, maybe it's an agent floating this stuff because right. he wants something else up. Who knows why any of this stuff happens? I, I, I do really believe the thing is, the Bengals backed up what they, all that matters is the Bengals backed up what they said. Yeah. And that was by, they didn't spend a single draft pick on a receiver while they had John Ross slotted there as number three. To me, I care more about actions than words because there's too many words out there. Mm. And their actions backed up what their words said, where they spoke, you know, with, with their draft picks and not taking a receiver, which to me said, we believe in John Ross. We, we want to utilize John Ross and thinking he can be productive here. So I think that speaks probably more so than anything else. Absolutely. Paul, thank you so much. I mean, we're going to have a great summer reading and listening to you. And I mean, there's going to be some camp cuts, as you say. There's going to be some more moves, no doubt. There's going to be some interesting bits and pieces emerging. So we can't wait. And we can't wait to see how the team, you know, how Zach Taylor implements his culture, his energy, his communication, all those buzzwords that he uses. And of course, can't wait to see his scheme, both... Uh, Zach on the offensive side of the ball and and Anarumu on the on the on the defensive side of the ball. It's kind of exciting, right? Yeah, it's certainly new and different, and that's better than the alternative. I would say. I mean, if, <laughs> at, the, at least at least we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you could say you could <laughs> right, say it right, may be yeah. worse or it may be better, but I can <laughs> say that we don't know. Uh, whereas in the past, I don't know that we could say that. I think we had a pretty good idea what we were getting ourselves into. So, yeah, it'll all be there. Um, people can continue to keep up with all of it, Jay, myself at The Athletic. I think there's still some time left. If you uh, want to subscribe, there's a 40% off deal with my hiring going on, so it's just two ninety nine a month. Just go to the athletic uh, slash welcome Paul, and you can get a you can get a deal on a subscription. Uh, it's it's we try to make it well worth their price of admission, that's for sure. So to get a chance, head on over there. And I fully recommend it. As a subscriber, you get to read uh, all these past. Uh, I like to think the Bengals UK podcast, uh, you know, is a, is a kind of a, a melting pot for all the athletic talent. We've had obviously Paul now on three times. We've had Joe Goodbury on several times, Mo Eger a couple of times. We've had Jay on as well. Um, so uh, yeah, go ahead and have a look at that. There's some great, great journalism on there, and, and uh, hopefully very soon some some great podcasts as well. Paul. Mate, thank you so much for everything. Uh, thanks for the time. Have a great summer, and no doubt we'll speak soon. You do the same. Looking forward to it. All right. Cheers, Paul. So that was Paul Dana Jr., and we can't thank him enough, as ever. He's been great to us at his time at the Inquirer, and we do wish him well uh, in his new role at The Athletic. And no doubt we'll have Paul on again at some point in the future. But he said some really interesting things. He made the argument for Cordy Glenn kicking inside, um, and also, okay, let's get to the, the my little idea for the feature this episode, right? Feature. So, uh, I listen to a few podcasts. I listen to the BBP. 
I listen to Joe and Jake on Locked On uh, from time to time. And I also listen to Around the NFL uh, from time to time. And they, they did this thing last week where they talked about um, st- um, stories that you invest in. Uh, yes, they made some Game of Thrones references. Um, so they were talking about storylines that fans really invest in and what are those storylines that we can all invest in in the NFL. Um, I thought I'd nick that idea and slightly change it because recently we've had um, uh, a, a cop show over here for US listeners, a really popular pol- twisty-turny police drama called Line of Duty, which is, you know, one of the most watched TV series in the UK. Uh, And then, of course, we've got Game of Thrones, where people will watch eight series, 76 or whatever hours of of investment uh, and watching those stories. And, of course, the ending, the finale, the grand finale was on Sunday night, and there was loads of people who hated it, thought it was a complete cop-out. So I thought, what are the big storylines in terms of Bengals' roster and what are the ideal endings that would make everyone happy or make you happy? So I'm going to present them some scenarios to you, right? Right. So we've already talked about the offensive line. We all kind of know. The quarterback room. Are we talking about Robert Kraft happy endings? No, we're not. Alleged <laughs> alleged happy endings. Alleged, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> and in the quarterback's room, you have Andy Dalton, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. Ryan Finley and Jake Dolagala. Who what is the ideal ending for you? Finley comes into camp like an absolute beast. Gets his clipboard out, he's dictating the offense, he looks fantastic and everyone's really excited about him. He goes into the preseason, he gets he easily out Jules Driscoll. In a duel, a straight old-fashioned Western duel. With a pistol or a sword? or Pistols. Yeah, nice. Um, at dawn, on pist- Hampstead Heath, <laughs> I duel you, sir. <laughs> out duels him wildly. Just flips wildly. out his hand. <laughs> Driscoll ain't even got his pistol out. You want Finley to have a game or two games in a preseason where he goes something stupid like 12 or 16 for is 100, that kind of 195 though? yards. But just looks like a complete animal, like complete in everything, efficient, like makes a few <clears> big deep throws, gets everyone excited and whets their appetite. And it's Dalton and Finley. And he pushes Dalton a bit, so Dalton's a bit better. I, I, I like Driscoll and I think he got a really bad end of the... Like, I think, any you got to have Tom Brady in that Bengals offense last year, and it wouldn't have made a huge difference. I felt bad for him, and I like Driscoll's. I think he's got a decent throwing motion. You can see he used to play baseball. He can throw quite a decent sort of mid ball, but I I just question if he's really got much more than that. I'd like to see Finley earn his keep, and your man Jake Dolagala Dolagala get on the practice squad, see what he's got, come back next year for a fight. Yeah, I agree. I think. Um... I think poor Jeff is the odd man out here. I mean, you never, but you what, never know. He might, what would the Bengals competition. do quickly? And I'm going to ask you this question. If Ryan Finley was out-jeweled yeah. on Hampstead Heath yes. by Jeff Driscoll? Well, then Jeff Driscoll will make the team. Yeah, but they wouldn't cut Finley, though. No, they'd put him so on, they'd have on to the, go the with practice three. squad, probably. No, you wouldn't get him, you wouldn't get him on the practice squad. Really? Not a fourth-round quarterback, nah. Well, I don't know. I'd be, sh- I'd be stunned. Okay. My idea would be... That'd be crazy to put your fourth round pick on the practice squad. 
Well, if it if it happens, it happens, right? You got to. Oh, yeah, but I don't think they would. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Well done. Um, yeah, I've got a soft spot for Jake Delagala, and he's. Dol- Apparently showing up well in OTAs. I'm gonna get you a Dolgala jersey. Um, I'm all in. I'm all in. What number is he? I don't know. I don't know if he has. I'm gonna get you a Dolgala 69 jersey. <laughs> right. So let's talk about the wide receiver group because uh, Paul mentioned it as a group to watch. Yeah. And I think he's right because in the past when AJ has uh, been injured and that's happened for the past two or three three years, I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No one's really stepped up, have they? No. No, um, no. And we've looked a worse team for it. Yeah. Uh, and when Tyler Boyd went down yes- last year, yesterday, <laughs> seems like yesterday, um, last year, no one really said. Then suddenly we, we were getting into Auden Tate. Josh Malone was injured. Cody Core, who I don't think is awful, yeah. um, couldn't do it on his own. Alex Erickson wasn't that, is not that big play guy. No. Um, and let, let, let's just uh, there's 12 receivers currently on the 91 man roster. Yep. You've got AJ Green. Okay, let's go from AJ T- Tyler Boyd. Yep. Uh Cody Core, Alex Erickson, Josh Malone, John Ross, Auden Tate, Hunter Sharp, Kermit Whitfield, Stanley Morgan, Damian Willis and Ventel Bryant. Now, what would be the ideal ending for that uh story for you? I think the ideal ending is that John Ross has an incredible preseason like he did last time, incredible training camp. Um, they work him into the team, they design some plays around him, and he becomes your obvious third guy. So you've obviously got, indisputably, you've got AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, and then John Ross if he steps up. Yeah. Then your fourth spot, I would argue, probably Alex Erickson. And then I think you need to see something from one of those guys that's been around for a few years. You want someone to have a massive camp of one of the guys that's been there before that was a Marvin Lewis guy. So Josh Malone. Josh Malone or Cody Court. One of them needs to have a big camp. Or I'm not. I'm being brutal, you just get rid of them. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think agree. Otherwise, if a fifth wide receiver spot, give one of these guys, like I know Joe Goodbury's frothing at the mouth about Stanley Morgan, give him a go. Do you know what I mean? Like, give one of those guys a go on the roster in a year. Because I think with Cora and Malone, if they can't do anything more than we've seen in the past, there's no point holding on, you know, for, for that sort of fifth spot. So I'd like to see someone come through the ranks. I think there's a very good opportunity for an undrafted guy to make the team because I don't think it goes deep, deep. I think we've got very good quality at the top. I think Green Boyd and, and Ross, if he can play, That's a big might be threat. one of the best top well, I think, three I think receiving Boyd, teams out I there. I think Boyd and uh, certainly Boyd and Green are certainly you know in one the, of the top duos yeah, in the league. Absolutely, actually. Yeah, one of the most yeah. unheralded as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, typically, typical for the Bengals. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think you know you've got uh, AJ and Boyd and Ross and Ericsson. They're uh, your four. They'll all make the roster. But I tell you what, if Ross doesn't have a good camp, he could be in trouble. Yeah. I think he's tradable. Yeah, he's tradable. I don't think you cut him flat. You don't just cut a first round no, pick typically. I here. still think, as Paul said, there will be still a few moves in around training camp period with teams finalising their rosters. We didn't draft anyone. And that's the thing for me. It's like, if you were going to get rid of John Ross, if you were going to trade him, so Zach Taylor said, you know, an offer came in from, let's say, the Redskins, and they mm. said, we'll give you like third round pick for him or whatever. I don't even think, I think you'd struggle to recoup that for him. But 
Who's your, then what's your situation? You've got Green Boyd and then Ericsson, who we've just said can't play there, and you're back to where you were last season. You've not improved that area. Yeah. So we do really need John Ross to step up. I or, absolutely you know, agree with you. He needs to step he's up. He's the X factor on that team. He, he could make that group elite or he could make it look one injury away from pretty average, if not yeah. quite poor. Yeah, I agree. Okay, we we've talked about offensive line a little bit. I yeah. think I think it could be the end for Clint Bowling, as Paul said. Brutal, though, isn't it? Or I rate it, Clint Bowling or a it lot. De- or just depends on Clint himself, as Paul said. You know, depends on whether he wants to show up and just be a backup for the last year on his contract. You know what I mean? Um, let's talk about linebackers, um, shall we? Yep. Um, currently, we have Preston Brown. Nick Vigil, Jordan Evans, Hardy Nickerson, Malik Jefferson, Chris Worley, Jermaine Pratt, Deshaun Davis, Curtis Aikens, Noah Dawkins, and Sterling Sheffield. Um, you are going to keep one, two, three, four, five, well, half a dozen of those guys, or six or seven maybe. So who are you going to lock? Preston Brown, Nick Vigil. Uh... Who are your starting three linebackers? Preston Brown, what's the what's the Brown ideal story? What's the ideal ending to this story for you? <laughs> One of these guys turns out to be Ray Lewis. <laughs> yeah, that would be the ideal. I mean, gen- genuinely, it's still. I don't. That's the one thing I would say about the draft. I know we got Pratt, but I don't think that's enough at all. No, I, I agree. really don't think it is. I think we needed at least one more. Like, I mean, I know we went and got another guy in the seventh round um, to add a bit of competition there, but. The best case scenario is Preston Brown plays like we thought he would last year and possibly slightly disappointed before his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Vigil. Nick Vigil is one of those guys that a lot of people really rate on Bengals Twitter and there's a lot of people that say he's very underrated. So hopefully he can step up and have a good year. And then I guess, is the third guy Pratt? I think he. Uh, I think it's a... Is it Hardy Nickerson, which would terrify no, me? no, no. I think it's, I mean, if you start looking at a starting three, you're looking at Preston Brown, Vigil, and it's a toss-up between Jordan Evans and Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, which is, to me, that's that's scandalous. Not, not, not then, to be rude to either of them, but they should, in my mind, should not be starting. You, uh, starting a third-round linebacker on opening day would, would be a bit of a, to me, well, that's a bit of a, a pretty big risk. We'll see, and also... What are you going to do in nickel? Because Preston Brown ain't a nickel linebacker. No, and what what, what happens if I'm not being like let's touch Woody? I'm knocking on this table because yeah. otherwise the Bengals are going to get obliterated. What happens if Preston Brown does his ankle in training camp and he's out for the year? Because well, were you seriously going with Vigil, you know, Jordan Evans, and I mean that that's a, to me is a glaring, glaring. Well, that's not improved. That's what I agree with you. I mean, I think they improved it with Pratt. Yeah, he's a good but it's, addition. But it's unfair to expect him to do it straight away. He's a third round pick because most rookies don't contribute a ton in their first year. Well, you look at Malik, you look at Malik Jefferson, yeah, exactly. with, who I think is a forgotten dude. Actually, yeah, that is true. That is and you'd true. hope that with some proper, I don't know, maybe he just gets it a bit more this year mentally. He didn't get looking last year. Did geez, not. Didn't I don't he? know like, what he, he got did. Nothing. No, he was just. I think he was just deemed. One of those guys, like oh god, you know, yeah. <laughs> what we picked here. But he's a third round pick, so yeah, you, true, you really want him to succeed because he's obviously got talent. Yeah, yeah. And he could be a bit of a wild card in there. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm very optimistic about this, but I agree. There's no kind of big stud in there that you think. No. I know nothing is surefire in the draft, but. Um, um, and none of those guys that you just alluded to are really like cover guys either. Preston Brown's not, Vigil's not the most athletic guy in the world. Well, it, Vigil's, Vigil's okay. better, but. Yeah, Jordan Evans, Jordan has Evans his is the guy from an athletic standpoint. I think. But again, but he was not... caught out so many yeah. times last year, and I quite like Jordan Evans. But again, you'd hope in his third year this year that he would just get it more mentally. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I got a quick question for you, like tw- ten second question, right? Does it make you miss Burfick looking at the, the room now? No. Is it right to let him go? Still, you think? Yes. Even we're looking at the room now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's about it, really. We could go all through all the team, and we will do as the summer goes on and the roster gets trimmed. I mean, we've got ten cornerbacks on the roster at the moment. Um, we've got two kickers, Nathan, uh, Randy Bulock and Tristan Viscano. That's outrageous name, isn't it? Tristan Viscano. Yeah, it sounds like, like I hope something he turns Bullock out. I love that. <laughs> Okay, let's go on to the serious subject of uh, Wembley tickets for the London game in October between the Bengals and the Rams. We were expecting a an announcement today, and today is Wednesday the 22nd. If you're listening to this in the future, which sounds a strange <laughs> science fiction concept, but... Um, yeah, we were waiting uh, 3 o'clock for some ticketing information. Then it got the announcement was postponed until 5. And then we got this. Uh, Wembley season ticket renewals begin on the 28th of May until June the 3rd, with new season ticket holders able to purchase from June the 4th. Wembley season tickets include only the ga- two games played at Wembley Stadium, and that has many people up in arms. Uh, as a Wembley season ticket holder, you will have access to a range of exclusive benefits, including blah, blah, blah. And you can read all this on the NFL website, obviously. Um, crucially, uh, Wembley, se- Wembley season ticket renewals uh, start on May the 28th. Thomas Cook ticket hotel packages from May the 28th. <laughs> Why are you giving Thomas Cook a shout? They've gone busting about it. Well, I know. They're in trouble, aren't they? Uh, Wembley Hospital. And seriously, who gets a Thomas Cook ticket in hotel? Oh, but there's someone else. Oh, yeah, but, yeah fair enough. Uh, Wembley <laughs> Hospitality Sales. That's where me and Nathan come in. We roll it highball in, in the uh, Bottle, hospitality. A couple of bottles of Don in the box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some pistachios. And some pistachios <laughs> and a massive entourage. <laughs> Some mozzarella sticks. Oh, yeah, we know how to push the boat out. <laughs> a prawn ring from Iceland, and we're anybody's. Uh, right, OK. Wembley Hospitality Sales uh, from June the 4th. Wembley Season Ticket Public Sale uh, from June the 4th. And then individual game ticket sales dates will be confirmed at a later date. So cheers, NFL UK. I am not an, uh, a season ticket holder, I am an, you know, uh, for US listeners, you know, you can buy a season ticket to all four games, which obviously guarantees you uh, a ticket to all four games. Um, But of course, that's a lot of money. That's like 400 quid. What's that? $550, something like that? $500? $500 in today's rate. Um, You know, and I always go just pick and choose. But the trouble is, supply is starting to outstrip the demand. So leaving it to for potluck really for an individual ticket sale 
is 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 a bit more of a risk. You, I think really. you'd be. Right. I've never had a problem. I frankly. think you'd be okay on a basis that you don't need like more than four tickets, and you don't you're not too fussed about where you get allocated. Because mm. I remember last time for the Bengals game, I was getting eight tickets for me and some friends and family, and it gave us some dodgy seats at the back. And I took the risk. I was like, oh, I'm gonna you know see if I can get better seats. I went to the back of the queue thinking it might reallocate me some others. I didn't like the ones they gave me, and then they gave me even worse seats. So I actually had to buy a season ticket the last time the Bengals game was on just to get the seats that I actually wanted yeah. which is a pain in the ass. like you said it's a lot of money and I had to just basically sell the tickets off which was a huge pain in the ass. I you know, have to be like oh here's some tickets and sell them mm. through and go through all the admin of that but that was the only way I actually got seats behind the Bengals bench well not behind the bench but yeah. their side of the field yeah, yeah. with a few more fans so it is it is a bit of a frustrating process to put it politely I suppose it's but very difficult it's, because, it is huge demand though yeah. like, I feel bad like, you can't get you can't make everyone happy you know there's no. a lot of people barking for tickets that's uh, th- that market the ticket market on StubHub and all those third party sellers well that's this, disgusting isn't it well really? it's going to be double treble and the rest of it because there is just such a high demand I um, yeah I I'm in two minds um, and I don't want to slag NFO UK off too much because we are building a relationship with NFL UK, and indeed, we have been talking to NFL UK about trying to secure uh, a section for the for Bengals fans. Now, there unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, and you know that you know may or may not happen, and which is a shame. But you know, it is what it is. Um, and it's neither our fault or well, it's certainly not our fault. But you know what I mean. It's our fault. It's not like the NFL UK's fault, really. It's it's just the way things are at the moment. Um, um, so I don't want to slag them off too much. And you know, basically, as I say, because we are, you know, they they're helping us going forward, and we've got a nice relationship with them. So, but one thing I do wish they would do is engage the fan groups more. At, yeah, a low, at a I grassroots agree. level, like us, and like the frankly real fan groups out there who who do who are trying to grow fan communities and do meetups and stage flag football games and do podcasts and all the rest of it. Because we do do a lot of the heavy lifting for the for the teams for nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. and I'm not saying it's a chore because it certainly isn't. It's it's huge fun, and I love doing it. I just wish NFL UK would pay a bit more kind of lip service to the fan groups. I do wish that they would, you know, f- try and come up with an easier way uh, to reserve a section for each of the teams. Something like 300, 500 seats. Out, you be, out I, of 90,000. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, 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 it relies on a lot of... It relies on people that are doing desk jobs nine to five with the greatest deal of respect for the geezers and the, the ladies that do them to really go above and beyond what they need to. They're going to sell that game out and that's all they care about. And as long as it's sold out... And I think that's the key. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, for them to reach out to us and then, I mean, you know, we're a reputable fan group, right? <laughs> just about. Well, yeah. But for them to reach out to us, even, if, even the best will in the world, and they think you're a top bloke, right? And they say, Paul... You know, we want to reserve a thousand seats, five hundred seats for Bengals UK fans from the US and the UK, all to sit together, so everything else. 
There's so much that goes into that from a risk standpoint. Is it going to be too rowdy? Is how do we prove they're going to be fans? How do we prove these guys are not selling the tickets on for more money? How do we prove that two we, Steelers fans aren't going to sit well, in the middle of it all? Yeah, how do you know? How do we know? Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. Logistically, it's, it's going to. It's tough. Yeah, and I also agree with you that. You know the NFL should be doing this because I think it's good practice. NFL UK it should be doing engaging fan clubs. More oh, I agree with that because it's good practice. Yeah, and they it- should probably have official fan groups and almost put you. I know it sounds a bit brutal. Put you through a bit of a vetting process. Yeah, I'd be, I'd and, be okay and be to like, do that. you know, is this geezer like the like yeah. reasonable? Give him a copy of your passport. Cough and drop at the uh, meeting. <laughs> but, but no, you, seriously. But, <laughs> but I mean, but something uh, to be like this. This I'm like, I know I don't want to just like blow our trumpet, but like this is the official Bengals UK. Yeah, it, like, all, fan all, group. Yeah. There's they're, they're trustworthy. You know, this geezer Paul runs it. He's a nice bloke. Um, he likes a few drinks on his podcast, but he's all right. And no we're willing to deal with him. Yeah, <laughs> they don't want that flagging up, yeah. But um, yeah, you want some sort of level of authenticity with NFL UK, so they are trusting. Say, look, if we are going to do something, we do it through you guys. Uh, we'd almost <coughs> need to be like some sort of a company. I know we're getting a bit political in this podcast, yeah. Now, but we'd almost need to be like a company or have some sort of, you know, like yeah, liability. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I just know what thinking you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting a bit boring, but, but I do. Um, no, I think it isn't boring. I, oh, sorry, I don't think it is boring because I think it's important actually. And you look at the responses to the NFL UK. I mean, I, again, coming at it from a uh, an objective point of view, I the NFL UK report back to the NFL, right? Yeah. All they have to do is prove to the NFL they they sell out all the London games. Yeah. And all like the Neil Reynolds events, and that's their remit. That's yeah, all yeah. they have to do, really. And you know, frankly, they can sell those games out two, three times over. And um, so that's it. That's all they have to do. They don't. They don't have to engage with us at all. Yeah. But I they. Mean, but they have to their credit. Yeah. Um. So that's great. I just wish there was a way that it could be done. Risk is as well with it to sound like a really boring, like you know, governance head. Is you put five hundred Bengals fans together, you put five hundred um, Rams fans together. If you're next to the five hundred Bengals fans and you're a Rams fan, you've been allocated there, and you're there with your wife, just looking for a nice. Night, quiet, enjoyable day out. Yeah, it's rowdy and people are drunk. It's a sporting event. Yeah, no, I know, but and I do I know think that the NFL people... UK. I think they very much bill it in the UK. It's more family, isn't it? It ain't. You know, you don't want all these geezers together drinking and getting a bit. And I do think and... that there is that element. Once people are together in yeah, larger groups, that's, there's that element. But you know what? I, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I, you, I you're still... sinking a few pints at the event. Like, you know, people know what you're like. You know, you see a Steelers fan. He says, you know, he says, Paul, shut up, mate. And you're going to suplex him down the stairs, <laughs> mate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then you get all of us kicked out. I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. Don't you? No, I don't. I thought you had the answer. I don't. Um, you know, I think it is a really difficult situation. I just wish there was some way to solve it. Yeah, I, I think it comes back to the last point on this is just outrageous demand. Outrageous demand, yeah. And do you know what? I mean, all, all I would say, now this is not to panic anyone, <laughs> but if you don't get hold of a ticket, then you should cane social media because someone will always have a spare. A season ticket holder will always have a spare. So cane social media shout about it that you're after a ticket for the game and also I mean if worse comes to worse goodness me there's going to be enough going on that weekend in London to have the best time 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Get yourself down to the pub because you'll probably meet Ken Anderson or Anthony Munoz or Dave Lappin or yeah. Nathan Palmer, obviously. Yeah. Um, get yourself down to the parade. Get yourself down back down to the pub again on yeah. Saturday night. Um, so, you know, it's it's a weird situation. I wish everyone luck in getting a hold of their tickets. We're still talking to NFL UK to see if the, whether there's something that can be done. Uh, but I wouldn't hold your hopes up too high. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? And I, I get a lot the people's anger. The people, the people yeah, are angry. The people are angry. Um, you know, uh, and I get it. It's frustrating, and it's you want assurances that you're going to get a ticket. But as you said earlier, supply is now outstripping demand. So it is a little bit potluck, isn't it? So the thing is, well, last point on this. I think the NFL UK, when they look at it, they look at us and the fan groups as very dedicated, loyal fans, been a fan for a while. I know it sounds a bit brutal, but they don't care about us because that's... And they don't need to, frankly. That's exactly where I was going. They don't need to. We're engaged fans. They've done their job to their mind to be like, these guys are desperately trying to buy tickets online. They're interested in Joe Bloggs and (laughs) Jeanette Bloggs. Joe Blogbury. Joe Joe, Joe Bloggs and Jeanette (laughs) Bloggs. Who have perhaps seen it on TV a bit and have seen the fan rally in, in Trafalgar Square yeah. and have piqued their interest by it and want to know more. But that that's not great for hardcore fans who want to go and see who've never seen their team live. Yeah, before, I agree. Been a supporter and, for like yeah, five, ten, fifteen years. Yeah, and I this agree. is like the biggest sporting event perhaps of their lives. Yeah, and, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not understating that. No, you know. Uh, so what what do you do? I think it is so difficult. It's. I just wish there was a way to to kind of prioritise the proper fans. But I would also say that this is not just happening in the NFL games. It's happening in every sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It is difficult. Anyway, we could talk about it this all night. No doubt we will. Um, going forward, we'll try and keep you abreast of stuff going on. As for Bengals UK, we've got some amazing uh, stuff coming up, uh, haven't we, Nathan? We have. And uh, that's all going to be revealed in episode 50 in a, in a week or a couple of weeks' time. Uh, uh, news of a summer meetup, but a very special one. That's massive days. We've got an unbelievable guest, certainly the highest profile guest that we've ever had. Um, so do stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be coming up with a programme of, of events uh, on that weekend of the, the Bengals Rams game in London. Um, so again there's lots of stuff happening there's lots of stuff to be excited about um, so do stay tuned now a couple of uh, weeks ago um, well a couple of episodes ago which equates to about two months ago now I think um, Nathan had uh, almost like a speech problem (laughs) he couldn't pronounce the word Baltimore correctly how did you pronounce Baltimore Baltimore 